Welcome to The Plant Report, a radio show that educates about the green world one plant at a time. The Plant Report is a new educational resource about plants, herbal medicine, ethnobotany, and the human-plant relationship. With over 400,000 species found worldwide, plants give us oxygen, food, fiber, and medicine, and add beauty and inspiration to our lives. Listen to our podcast, read our blog, watch our videos, and learn from experts and the plants. The Plant Report is a project of Sustainable World Radio and is hosted by Jill Cloutier. Thanks for listening to The Plant Report because every plant has a story. My guest today is Michael Judd, permaculture teacher, designer, and author of Edible Landscaping with the Permaculture Twist. And welcome back to The Plant Report, Michael. Hi, Jill. Hi, and you know, you are a self-proclaimed fun guy, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, um, what you call the shady fruit. Not It's not technically a plant, but what is our topic today? Mushrooms, uh, <laughs> glorious mushrooms, all types uh, that are grown outdoors uh, in the landscape very easily, and yes, uh, very fruitfully. Uh, a lot of people <laughs> don't consider or think about uh, mushrooms as a fruit, and uh, they are one of my favorites uh, in the shade. You have planted food forests, and you are um, really into edible landscaping. Do mushrooms have a place in a food forest? Oh my, they are the they are the connector in the food forest. In any of our uh, sort of healthy landscapes, ecosystems, mushrooms, uh, which which come from the the connective body that we call uh, mycelium, which is a group of thread-like cells that connect together sort of like the internet, and they run through the landscape and usually digesting organic matter. Uh, and when they're really happy, they pop out mushrooms. That's what we know of as fruit. So yes, any healthy garden, landscape, uh, forest has this interconnective web of fungi, of mycelium running through it. So yes, I think it's critical to any healthy uh, growing system, especially food forest. And so today we're going to be talking specifically about how to cultivate um, mushrooms outside. And so this is a different type of gardening, and you've done this a lot. And I think, I believe you grow three different types of mushrooms. Yeah, I focus on three. Um, and, you know, sometimes we get other volunteers, <laughs> and, and sometimes we experiment with something new. Uh, but I found three of these characters uh, very rewarding and easy to grow. Uh, and two of them, the shiitake and the oyster mushroom, uh, I grow on logs, so what we call log culture. And these are uh, pieces of log that are about six inches in diameter by roughly you know, a meter long, 36, 40 inches long. And this is wood that we've cut uh, from healthy trees uh, toward the end of winter before the, the sap has rised in them. And then we inoculate these. Should I go into this detail already? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and basically, so you're you're cutting wood from healthy trees. Any tree? Uh, you'd be surprised how many different tree species will grow uh, some type of mushroom. Now, certain species do tend to like uh, certain types of mushrooms. Certain, you know, like certain species of trees. Uh, for instance, uh, shiitake really liked growing oak. 
Uh, oak has a really nice thick bark that uh, protects the moisture in the log. And when it comes to growing fungi, when it comes to growing mushrooms, uh, the main thing to always remember is moisture, moisture, moisture. They need a consistent moisture to grow and to fruit. And once you get that down at every stage of the way, everything else will flourish. Um, so, yes, they, you'd be surprised at how many different species in your landscape, uh, from your willows, your poplars, your maples, uh, really, most trees, except for a handful, like black walnut and black locust. Black locust is so rot-resistant because it uh, has strong antifungal properties. Um, so, obviously, you wouldn't want to start with that, trying to grow your <laughs> mushrooms. Um, but we here, we're in the mid-Atlantic region of, of, of the state, and we have an abundance of oak and poplar and maple uh, so I work mainly with those species in our forest. Now, when we go out and look for healthy mushroom wood, we're going out and looking at the forest as a whole ecosystem as well. And we're thinking, okay, how can we benefit the forest and get wood for growing our mushrooms? And most of our forests have been cut multiple times and have sprung back with a grouping of saplings, which kind of chokes out the understory. So by going in there with an eye to thinning out some of that wood, allow more light understory to develop, we are benefiting, you know, our local forest system while getting the material to grow our mushrooms. So from the get-go, uh, it's a win-win situation with working with mushrooms. And then, so yeah, then we're selecting it. We want healthy trees, and we take them and we cut those into those, those long lengths, those meter long lengths, and let them sit for a couple of weeks just so their, their natural antifungal properties can sort of dissipate. Then what we do is it warms up and the day temperatures are pretty consistently in the 50s is we will get the strains of mushroom, let's say shiitake. We'll go to a supplier, just like you would for your garden seeds. There are suppliers for mushroom, uh, what we call spawn. They are usually little wooden dowels that have ridges on it and the little mycelium, those little thread-like cells that I talked about, are growing on the wood already. They're eating it. You know, it's kind of like kindling to them, right? They're just getting going. Or sawdust is often used. So what you do is you go to a supplier, someone like Paul Stamets' company, Fungi Perfecti. Uh, another one of my favorites is Field and Forest. You can order these different types. So you can say, okay, look, I want shiitake that's going to fruit in the late spring. And so you choose that variety. And they send it to you in these little wooden dowels. And when they arrive, you take your log, which has been sitting for a couple of weeks, and you drill holes in it. You drill holes about every six inches in a straight line, rotate the log a couple of inches, and offset drilling those same six-inch spaced holes down. And you keep rotating the log until your whole log is drilled with usually 40 to 50 little holes. And you take these little plugs that you've gotten, these little, these little dowels, and you hammer them in. It's like whack-a-mole at the carnival. It is actually a lot of fun. And it doesn't hurt the mycelium by whacking them? No, 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 no. Sometimes it jolts them and, you know, gets them to jump off. And, you know, that's the idea is we want them to jump off of these little dowels into the logs because what they're doing is they're eating the, the wood, the cellulose, the lignin. That's what they consume. So they're going to jump off these little dowels and run through your log. And this is what we call sort of the, 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 run, the spawn run. Hmm. And it can take anywhere from six to 18 months. So you must be patient, make your log happy, put it where it's gonna stay evenly moist, 
How do you know if they're running? How do you know if they're moving into the wood? Can you see it? Yes, sometimes you can. On the end of the log, you'll get sort of a, a little a little bloom, like a like a white stain on the end of the log. But sometimes there's no indication, and you just have to be patient. You just must trust. You have to trust the fungi. You got to trust the fungi. That's right. And, and 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 if you've done things consistently, you know you've gotten your wood that was healthy. You didn't go out to the you know the firewood pile and pull off an old log and try this. Um, if you've gotten healthy wood and you've kept the moisture right, um, they are very easy. They are they are, they are very aggressive in their growth, and then very productive. So after that spawn run of six to eighteen months, they are going to be triggered by uh, the right temperature and the right moisture. And generally speaking, that's um, sort of in the spring after a warm rain or in the fall after a warm rain. At the same time as we notice the wild fungi around us blooming, our logs are going to want to probably naturally trigger, depending again on what variety they have. So that so basically what you're doing is just you know monitoring and looking, and when they flush out, they can be so abundant. You can get up to half a pound of mushroom in one flush. And half a pound of mushrooms is a lot. If you put that in a bag, it would be a big Ziploc bag. And shiitake mushrooms are so expensive in the store. I well, yes, and and usually the ones you're buying in the store have been grown indoors on sterilized wood blocks mm. in a big metal building, and they taste like it. Uh, you know, when you're eating one that you've grown on your own wood outside, you've captured all of the elements. You know, it's like going out and, and finding wild mushrooms except for that you have an improved strain uh, and you know what it's supposed to be. Um, So that's kind of the advantage there. So you're a little safer. Uh, You know that you planted shiitake in that log. So when a mushroom pops out, if it doesn't look like shiitake, you shouldn't be eating it. Uh, (laughs) You you have an indicator there. Uh, You take a picture with you if you've never grown it and hold it up. Yep, that's shiitake, and you're good to go. So this is log culture where you get fresh wood and then growing the um, fungi on the log. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and they can fit into any kind of landscape. Um, I, I know people who are doing this in suburbia on a quarter acre lot uh, where they've set up shade net. They have no tree cover or anything. They set up uh, shade netting and then um, worked out with a guy who cuts firewood to bring them in, you know, certain size and types of wood. And they're stacking them up in this Lincoln log fashion under their shade netting. Uh, we're talking, you know, thousands of logs here in a quarter of an acre. And they're setting up, you know, little irrigation systems. And they're making, they're making, they're making a fair amount of money doing this. I mean, it's, they've really moved away from, you know, sitting at the desk to, you know, really using their small piece of land ingenuity uh, to grow mushrooms, which, which have a very high market value, uh, you know, if you're in the right area. This is, could be a business for someone listening right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I think it's one of the most uh, sort of untapped resources for, you know, for growing food for a profit, at least legally. Wow. And so shiitakes will grow on logs. What other type of mushrooms can you use log culture for? I'm a big fan of oyster mushrooms. Uh, they are about the easiest mushrooms I know to grow. Uh, they, take, they can take a lot of neglect even in the process. Uh, of drilling those logs, and they'll take, you know, not quite perfect conditions of moisture and exposure and still produce for you. We have a lot of poplar, which is kind of, it's a classified as a hardwood, though it's quite soft. So, it, and oysters love it, um, and they'll consume it within two or three years. So, 
usually if you if you have a strong good sized hardwood log like oak say you have about a six to eight inch log diameter log of oak and you've put shiitake in that that log can go produce up to eight years so we're talking about perennial yeah we're talking about a perennial food here um, it, it's you put a little bit of input up front and then it cycles for you um, for a number of years without you having to do anything more to it uh, except for just observe and make sure you get that you know that fruit when it pops out it happens very quickly um, so I always like to keep my logs nearby I usually start my logs under our deck where there's even moisture and I can walk by and see them and see you know monitor them and when those when those little mushrooms come out they come out these little pinheads and then within 24 hours wow they're full size and ready so you know don't stick them out out of view out of sight because sometimes you'll totally miss your harvest. So I like to keep them nearby. Now, if we, if you live in a dry, fairly dry climate, if you keep your log moist, is it possible to grow mushrooms? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, Paul Stamets in, in his wonderful book Mycelium Running uh, points out different ways, and, and folks down in Texas uh, half burying their logs. So you know, putting your log partially into the ground uh, to help pull up some of that moisture. Uh, so there's lots of variations. It, it, you know, there's there's a few guidelines, but there's really no rules when it comes to growing fungi. Uh, you can be really creative, and people like Paul Stamets have really pointed that out with showing how folks are doing it in different ways in different climates. Um, so really, they're, they're very rewarding to work with. They're very abundant. So, you know, the, 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 really it's just jumping in and starting to play with them as I did. You know, I'd seen them growing up at the Bullock Brothers Permaculture Homestead, you know, years ago. And it, it just from seeing them visually happen, I was like, I can do this. And I just went out and just started learning, reading, and I got a nice catalog from Field and Forest, uh, which is a very how-to-oriented catalog. And you get the pieces together, and you just start doing it. It's fun. It's like a, it's almost like a kit. It's like a, doing a craft. And then, wow, you get this wonderful reward of all these tasty fruits. And the shiitakes, too, are very interesting to me because they have essential amino acids in them. They're, they can be used as a tonic herb. They're very um, medicinal and, and a powerful plant, or not plant, uh, fungi. Yes, they, they are very medicinal in many ways. Um, and I've also experimented growing with racy mushrooms uh, on logs. We have some cherry. We have some wild black cherry. Uh, so I've been working with growing you know, some of the reishi, which is also very medicinal. And again, it's a market opportunity. You know, we in our community we have a lot of uh, Chinese, you know, herbal medicine practitioners and acupuncturists and naturopaths, and and they 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 are clamoring for all oh, sort of semi wild grown mushrooms like reishi. So again, another un sort of tapped market potential for you know for growing things at home on a small scale. That's exciting. And it seems very doable and, you know, easy for people. I was going to say it's very straightforward. Uh, we teach, you know, workshops that are about three hours long. By the end of the workshop, you understand all the little bits and pieces that go into it. You've gone through the process, you've drilled it, and, I, and then we also put, you know, hot wax over those little towels when we put them in to help seal the moisture in and protect them a little more. Um, but once you've gone through these simple steps, you're like, wow, that's it. Now I just need to put it in the right spot, which takes a little bit of, you know, figuring. Mm-hmm. But once you've done that, you, you, you've learned how to do it, and it's very easy to replicate. And that's log culture. Um, you know, there's also growing mushrooms on wood chips. And tell us uh, about which that. Is even easier. <laughs> 
if, if, if it's possible to believe. And in this way, you're not dealing with, um, you know, chainsaws or, you know, coordinating with someone to bring you a certain type of wood. Uh, wood chips are, are often barely uh, available, uh, sometimes free from a local arborist. Be happy to drop them at your place and, and you know, running to the dump. How many do you need? What's the volume that you need of wood chips? To do a small patch, um, you do not need very much. Now, the the sort of the, the number one mushroom uh, for growing on wood chips is the uh, garden giant, uh, also known as wine cap. Yeah, it has this beautiful burgundy uh, wine-colored cap to it, and, and gorgeous mushroom. I mean, they can get huge, like up to five pounds. Uh, they have a very nice, smooth, meaty, nutty texture to them as well. Uh, in a way, sort of like portobello, but I think even more complex in their, in their nuttiness. And they just go crazy in wood chips. They are so, so easy to grow, uh, even easier than the oyster. You probably could start a patch, you can start a patch that's roughly uh, five feet by five feet. So what is that, about 25 square feet. And that's about a yard of wood chips. So as for as much as a, a, as a yard of wood chips, you could start working with them. Um, and sometimes you can just buy hardwood wood chips from a local landscape supplier and have them drop them off to you as well. And, and they're quite forgiving. Um, I think you, it, up to six months of age from, you know, being you know, chopped and uh, chipped, they can be used. Uh, of course, you know, a little, a little um, sooner is better, you know, ideally three months or less. And as long as they're not coming from the side of the highway where, you know, herbicides and fungicides have been sprayed, they're good. And, and mostly, you, again, you want hard woods. Um, you know, if you get a little bit of pine or something else mixed in, I wouldn't worry about it. But generally speaking, you want that to be a hardwood mix. In my book, Edible Landscape and the Permanent Twist, we dedicate a whole chapter to growing mushrooms on logs and creating these patches for growing the wine cap, uh, as does Paul Stamets in, in his book, Some Creative Ways. And it's very simple. If you're starting, if you're starting with sort of grass, if, if, you're, if you're looking to grow these mushrooms outdoors, uh, they like to be under deciduous trees. So that could be your ornamental dogwood. It could be your apple tree. And what you want is you want that sort of dappled light for these guys. What I do is I'll make a patch under a tree and let it also serve as a long-term mulch for that tree. So sort of stacking the functions at the same time here is I'll go ahead and I'll layer down at least, well, first, if it's grass, I'll start with cardboard. I'll get some clean cardboard and I'll put it right on top of the grass. And then I'll put two inches of wood chips on top of that. That cardboard just helps create sort of almost a, a fungal barrier to anything fungal that might be in the, in the grass and on the ground. So I put down the cardboard and I put on about two inches of wood chips. Now, if they're not really moist already, I'll make sure that I'm wetting them down as I put them down. And then what I'll do is I'll, I'll have a bag of sawdust spawn, um, usually from field and forest. And what I'll do is I'll take half of that bag, usually about a five-pound bag, kind of a large ziplock size bag, and I'll crumble it up and I'll spread it like, like seeds all over the wood chips. And then I'll take another two inches of wood chips and put it on top of that. And again, make sure it's moist. And then I'll take the rest of my spawn, that wood, that sawdust that's impregnated with the wine cap, and I will sprinkle it on top, and then I'll break that in a little bit, and then I will generously cover the whole thing with some fresh straw. And, and, and that pretty much is it. And then I will basically forget about it as long as we have, you know, pretty decent rains. If we get into a drought, I'll probably go out there and uh, 
you know, hose it down like you would your garden. Uh, but otherwise, as long as that moisture is trapped in there from the shade and the straw, the mycelium, that wine cap, is going to jump off and run through those wood chips amazingly fast. Uh, you know, within two or three months, you come back and you pull those wood chips apart, and it is just going to be a mosaic uh, of white fungi strands running wow. through it and gluing it all together. Yeah, it's really amazing how fast uh, this this fungi spreads. And sometimes if you've done this early in the spring, they're going to start fruiting that fall. You're going to start getting mushrooms as soon as that fall. If not, that following late spring and summer, they're just going to proliferate. I mean, hundreds of mushrooms, hundreds of wine caps just popping out all through the zone. What you need to do is make sure that you keep them fed. You need to bring in more wood chips. You know, after about 18 months or so, you know, after they're starting to consume it, you keep them going by feeding them. And then it's just on and on and on. And then what I like to do is I'll come along and I'll take a bucket full of those impregnated wood chips and I'll take them and I'll start a new patch. I'll take one bucket of the impregnated wood chips and, and mix it with about 20 buckets of new wood chips. And that way you're not needing to buy your spawn again. You're propagating it. You're giving it to your neighbors. You're making your own patches. And you are slowly um, spreading this fungi all across your landscape. Now, the benefits of this are not just those delicious mushrooms, but that fungi gets into the soil and spreads around the plants and the trees and begins to exchange nutrients and sugars with the plants and boosts their immunity, you know, makes them stronger, makes them much more productive and resistant. So you're you're giving sort of an immune boost to your landscape as well as, you know, getting this delicious harvest. That is incredible. Yes, and then taking that into the garden in the summertime, uh, when your zucchinis are leafing out and your tomatoes and you've got this sort of dappled shade and persistent moisture in the garden, I'll take those impregnated wood chips and I'll make donuts around the plants and just spread them generally as a mulch around the plants. And again, the fungi will jump off and it'll eat the organic matter. It'll eat the straw and the other bits of um, you know, mulch and things around the plant and run through the soil and exchange again all these beneficial nutrients to the plants, which then thrive. And then when you're out there getting your zucchini and your tomatoes, you're also harvesting the mushrooms. It's this win-win-win. So your plants are healthier, you're healthier, and you're providing a home and place for these um, fungi to grow. It, it is just fantastic. And at this point in my landscape, in our food forest, in our gardens, uh, the mycelium is just showing up everywhere, places I haven't even moved it to. You know, I'm unexpectedly discovering wine caps all over the place. So it really is, you know, just taking over. As long as you keep enough organic matter out in your landscape, it's really going to spread through it and everything just begins to flourish. I mean, it is the ultimate compost. It is the ultimate treatment, you know, and, and really you're not doing much except for getting it going. You're creating the conditions for uh, mycelium to happen and you're sequestering carbon. Yes. Because the mycelium is actually the key player in carbon sequestration in the soil. Absolutely. I mean, they're digesters. They're, they're basically inverted stomachs. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons they're being classified into the animal kingdom is, you know, they have the same digestive uh, process as animals, except for their stomachs are externalized. So they're excreting enzymes into things and digesting them and, and allowing, you know, those to be consumed by the plants. So, yeah, they're they're sequestering all of that and pushing it back into the cycle, into the living cycle again. And they, I guess they also take in oxygen like us and emit CO2. They are a fantastic universe. I mean, I, I definitely always throw in there to listen to Paul Stamets' TED Talk, 
um, on, on, on how mycelium can save the world. And it points out and reminds us that they're a keystone species, meaning that without them, our, our ecosystems, our habitat would not exist like it does. Uh, we wouldn't exist if it wasn't for fungi. I don't think people realize that our, our relationship is that intimate. And no decomposition, right? Wouldn't we just be on living yeah. on piles of undecomposed <laughs> material? Yeah. yeah, I got a little, little illustration in my book of two little people at the top of a mile-high pile of wood. <laughs> You know, looking down, that would be them. It, it, one thing it might be, I don't know if there's enough time for yeah, it to yeah. add in, um, with the, also with the wine cap, uh, these wood chips that are covered in these in these threads of, of fungi, they can be used also to help clean up runoff, runoff from our roofs, runoff from our driveways, runoff from our lawns. Uh, this is this can become a very useful tool uh, on the home scale as well as a larger scale. So you're actually helping to clean up your watershed by growing these mushrooms. Yes, yes, yes. So so what's being learned, Paul Stamets is helping lead the research on as well, is that mycelium is able to break down uh, most chemicals and petrochemicals, oil-based chemicals, and convert it into sugars. So actually, not just absorb it and be like, oh, now we still have to deal with this somewhere, but they take the chemicals and convert them into sugars. Um, so this becomes something that we can use uh, on the home scale in suburbia, where majority of pollution to our watersheds is happening. It's coming off, you know, off, off, of, off of our landscapes. And a sort of a hybrid design uh, permaculture design is, is taking swales, which are uh, raised beds on contour, so when water comes into them, they're held and sunk into the landscape, is take that excavated part of the swale where you, you, would, you would make a path, fill that with wood chips, inoculate that with a uh, wine cap, cover it generously with uh, straw, and you can aim that just downhill of your downspout coming off your roof. So on your roof in the summertime, you know, it's heating up, there's chemicals in the tiles, it rains, that comes off, that comes down. And if you don't help sort of harvest and digest that, it's going to run right into, you know, your local waterway and your watershed. But by putting in mycelium, by putting in intentionally, you know, wine cap or oyster mushroom, when that runoff comes through the wood chips, the fungi will actually begin to digest, convert those chemicals and those toxins and make them neutral. So any water that runs beyond your swale is then cleaned. So very simple, very practical, um, and, and makes a huge difference in well, the watershed. Using that wastewater to grow your uh, mushrooms is amazing. That's amazing. Yes, and and runoff on large scale, um, you know, animal um, feedlots and other places, you know, where animals are too concentrated, even small farms, you know, it, it adds up quickly. And and you can again, you know, you can help, you know, clean and treat and utilize the nutrients of that runoff into something productive. So, you know, permaculture is big on, you know, turning problems into solutions and, and fungi are the ones to partner with. That's fantastic. And Michael, um, anything else you want to add about home cultivation of mushrooms? Just to go for it, um, you know, read read simple um, ways to do it. It can be like anything. It can be overwhelming if you go into too much detail. Uh, my, my book is very how-to oriented. 
Um, listening to Paul Stamets' TED Talk will really, you know, blow your mind to the universe of fungi. <laughs> and then, you know, you know, getting a couple catalogs. Just get a catalog from Field and Forest, and it'll really kind of outlay uh, the process and the materials you need to get started. This sounds like an easy, it sounds like a gateway um, <laughs> activity to permaculture and edible landscaping. Love it. Yes, it's definitely the gateway. <laughs> because uh, you, you need a log and you need to feed. So basically their needs are moisture and food. And That's it. I mean, it's very simple. And do you eat a lot of mushrooms? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, we do. We, we, we are scrambling to find new recipes all the time because when they come, they come in abundance. So, yeah. yes, uh, us and, and our friends eat a lot of lunch. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and, and sharing with our listeners the benefits and how the ease in which you can um, have outdoor home cultivation of mushrooms. Thank you. Uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for listening thank to you. The Plant Report. The Plant Report is produced by Jill Cloutier and is a project of Sustainable World Radio. For more podcasts about plants, permaculture and ecology visit our website sustainableworldradio.com and you can also find us on itunes facebook and twitter the plant report is created for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any health condition thanks for listening and don't forget to thank the plants for everything they do